Hi, I'm Stella O'Malley, a psychotherapist in Ireland. And I'm Sasha Ayad, an adolescent therapist in the United States. Through in-depth interviews, personal stories, and psychological exploration, we probe the gender landscape within contemporary culture. And we consider the implications of prioritizing personal identity over other aspects of the self. This is the thinking person's take on gender. Join us as we look at gender from a wider lens. Hello there. Um, I'm here on my own. No Sasha this week. She's off for Thanksgiving week. We thought we'd give her a break. And instead, we've got a special edition because we have another Irish woman. My good friend Sarah Holmes is here and she's going to tell us the story that I think a lot of people will. Um, it will resonate with a lot of people because I think a lot of people in recent years have gone from having zero interest in sex and gender to suddenly being kind of a very absorbed by it as they watch what's unfolding. And uh, Sarah recently uh, took a case, case against the National Women's Council in Ireland for discrimination. And she's going to tell us all about what led up to that and what happened during the court case. So you're very welcome, Sarah. Delighted to have you. Thanks, Stella. Thank you. So t- tell me where it all begins. As far as I know you, I didn't, I only know you a couple of years. And as far as I know, you... Um, really didn't have any issues, any interest in trans issues or whatever. And then suddenly, I think it was your sister or your sister-in-law or something said something to you. And that's what yeah. first turned your head. So tell us right from the yeah. beginning. Yeah, right from the beginning. Well, yeah, I, I need to go back to around the summer of uh, 2020, um, right in the middle of lockdown. And um, yeah, my sister-in-law said, uh, you know, the word woman, did you see the word woman has been removed from cervical screening health literature um and I was like oh you know why would that happen it, it didn't make any sense I I genuinely had no idea um why someone would do that what was behind it it's, it just was kind of weird and um, I just want to point out to people that you know in Ireland the cervical sphere, smear it has a very strong presence Primarily because of Vicky Phelan, who's a woman of our own age who died recently, sadly, with cervical cancer and who was a kind of uh, a victim of a huge scandal of people who, whose cervical smear tests were missed or mi- mm-hmm. misdiagnosed. Is that right? Yeah, I think there were some issues and a lot of women died as a result. Um, and I guess, um, it, you know, it was fresh in my mind that this is a really important topic um, and so I, I, I couldn't understand it. And, it, you know, I asked her, well, what, what, what's there in place of that? And she said, it's person with the cervix. And I said, but I actually couldn't get my head around it. So, so health literature in Ireland calling you for screening that you get in the post or on the website was saying, you know, a person with a cervix needs to come for a, for a smear test. Uh, I just couldn't get my head around it. So that's when I first heard of any of this um and it was and there was, it was nothing to do with trans and it was everything to do with woman and language it, it, yeah it was it was women's lag, language and it was kind of at first it was shock and then it was kind of disbelief and then so I started reading the literature and, and sure enough it was gone it said um person with a cervix or a trans man was the terminology but the word woman was gone from everywhere and so then I started going well well what's happening with men's literature and of course, it was untouched. And I, 
you know, um, I met a few women who were kind of behind a campaign to get the word woman put back in. And I suppose they introduced me to... Oh, wait, 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 wait to... you're going very fast because you weren't, Sorry. You weren't in any campaigns at all. You no. Were, as far as I you were an ordinary working mother. I was just minding my own business, yeah. Yeah, you had nothing to do with anything to do with activism, if yeah, I'm right, nothing. or politics. 100% or no gender interest. or women's yeah. groups. Busy, three kids, full-time job, um, no time, no spare time. Um, but the, it was that, it, she, she was telling me about it because she was letting me know that there was this kind of uh, online campaign to send emails to the HSC and politicians to, you know, can we please have the word woman put back in? Very polite <laughs> campaign. So I said, yeah, of course, I'm going to email. Um, and that's when I first heard about it. Um, and then I did a little bit of research and I saw, well, lots of women don't know what a cervix is even. So and there was some data in the UK that said, you know, about 40% of women wouldn't know what a cervix was. So I started to think, well, people are going to, women are going to miss screenings because of this potentially, right? You might have migrant women or, you know, women who, who come from a disadvantaged background who wouldn't know what a cervix is and they won't go for a screening. Like, you know, this is putting Anybody who doesn't have English, risk. who doesn't have English as a first language. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. even those who do. Yeah. So um, I felt I kind of compelled to kind of investigate, well, how could this happen? Number one, we need to fix this, right? Absolutely. This just needs to be fixed. But I didn't realize how Easy. widespread a problem it was at that point. <laughs> and that's when I kind of started digging, how did this happen? And then I went, oh my God, this is everywhere. <laughs> and did you hear, had you heard of JK Rowling or what had you at this stage? It's interesting. i when I started talking about this, because I just thought this is a simple case that we just need to tell other people, oh, yeah. uh, men and women it. working in the health service, and we just need to tell them and then yeah. it'll be fixed because the word woman. <laughs> but I had at the back of my head this kind of nagging feeling and kind of an unease that I remember something about JK Rowling here, that there's some kind of problem and that I might be saying the wrong thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Keep going. So then you did. And, so then um, I did. I did yeah, yeah, like what is, the, what is the wrong thing? Well, I guess people started saying, well, you know, in order to be inclusive, you shouldn't use the word woman. And I've still never managed to get my head around that. Um, but that's where the ups, that's when I started becoming, to understand, I guess, why this topic is so hard to navigate. Because... I guess we're being expected to just relinquish our language and not question it. Because if you question it and you try and say, well, actually, no, I, I want to be able to use the word woman. I want to be able to talk about women's issues, issues that only impact women. That's when I learned that we don't actually have the word woman anymore. It's, it's now not our word. It now includes men. And I, I had no idea up until that point and what, of, was there a moment of you realizing it? Yes. Yeah, there was. I'll never forget. There was like a crashing moment, maybe a month or so in. Um, in the UK, they had been. So I started investigating, right? Where, where did this start? How did this happen? What's going on? Um, I started looking internationally. I could see that it had quite clearly come in from the US, right? This was an imported uh, ideology Um this wasn't something that we grew up with. You know, there was nobody that I can remember in my peers in school and college. It was just, 
compared to what's happening, what I've discovered in the last three years, the, the stats. But um, So it's imported. And I started looking to different countries and there was a vote in the UK where someone had tried to bring this self-ID uh, law in. And I was kind of horrified that you would, you would basically um, bring in a law to say that men could just say they're women and get a female birth cert and go into women's sports and women's single sex spaces. And, you know, basically they're women now. And so I said to, I said to some of the girls, I said, Oh, did you see that was great in the UK? At least that got pushed back. God, thank God that's not here. And uh, (laughs) you could see their faces drop. And how do we tell her this? You know, Sarah, that came in here in 2015. Um, I, I said, what do you mean? And they said, yeah, in 2015, behind the scenes, we didn't vote on it. Um, you know, the government brought in the Gender Recognition Act and any man just has to declare himself a woman and he gets a, a female birth cert. And I guess what's important, I think, for me, is at that point, I had started to see these contradictions, I would call them, where because um, I, I started trying to figure out what is this? this whole movement? What, what, what do they want? Um, and why is this impacting me? Why, why am I having to mm-hmm. fight for the word woman here? Um, and I started seeing these contradictions. So for example, it was like, well, sex and gender are different. You don't understand. Sex and gender are different. But then I realized, well, no, with the, with the Gender Recognition Act, someone who says they have a woman gender gets a female birth cert, which is a, a sex marker document. So I thought, that doesn't make any sense. There, you know, so that's when I started to realize there's, th- 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 you know, this is quite, this is quite worrying. And then someone told me about children and what's happening with children. Again, imported, I think, has to be from the U.S. You know, the stats around the number of gender clinics in the last 10 years in the U.S. Um, again, a contradiction. Gender is fluid, you know, and, it, you know, gender is fluid. There's hundreds of genders. Gender is in fluid. But yet if a child rejects stereotypical clothes or hair or toys, people were putting children on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and stopping their development of their sex organs. And and this just horrified me that (laughs) children were being put on this medical pathway because they rejected stereotypes. Um, and again, it contradicted everything else that these same people were saying, you know, it's fluid. You know, I, you know, I might be a woman one day and a man the next. And that's what gender is. So, so you were, I, you were well down. Was, yeah, we were yeah. well down the rabbit hole at that time. But am I right in thinking that original thing that took your eye, the people with a cervix, you won that campaign. Yeah. You started writing in. I remember there was letters yeah, written in and there was a group called. Yeah, there was a group called Radicaline and they um got lots of women to start emailing and the HSE, I think, were just overwhelmed with emails. Um, And I guess that's when I learned, like, actually, you you need to write. You do need to do something like sitting around talking about it won't bring about the change here. You do need to do something. Um, So I think that you you succeeded. That changed, didn't it? Yeah, there was a a lot of women behind that. And uh, eventually the HSE said, we'll put the word woman back in. All those very sparingly, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But the but the at that point I'd already seen, as I said earlier, the word man had not been touched from prostate screening literature. Oh, no. So I became you know quite aware that actually 
it was women's words that were being impacted. Sure. It was women's boundaries that were being impacted, women's rights, you know, especially I started learning about the sport element. I started looking up, my oh God, there's lots of women losing um, medals and losing scholarships and having to compete uh, with men. So, you know, and I, I don't think there's the same impact for men if, if a woman decides she wants to play on the man's team. So I started mm-hmm. seeing this this imbalance, I guess, in you know, oh, yeah. women's women's rights and dignity and safety sure. and fairness. It, this is really bad. And yeah. am I right in thinking then you started to write to the National Women's Council of Ireland? Was there a reason you started or? <sighs> yeah, like, again, I, I, I knew nothing about politics or NGOs. Activism. Even. I didn't know. What, yeah. I remember asking, what does NGO stand for? I didn't even know. <laughs> Um, governmental organization. I'm not yeah. saying for you, for anybody who's wondering. Yeah, it took me a while. I had to keep memorizing that NGO. Okay. <laughs> um, and this bit was fascinating. You know, there's these NGOs. I've since found out that there's, you know, billions given to them. Um, and they're, to me now, they kind of look like they are little mini branches of the government anyway, because yeah. they, they, they lobby the government for money. The government give them a lot of money and then they get the government to do things for them and and the National so, Women's Council, who are the main subject here, they get mm-hmm. a million a year. They get about a million a year from the government. Um, they represent, I think, about 160 women's groups, small women's groups nationwide. And so they also have like subscriptions, I guess, and membership, and then they get funding from the government. And yeah, and I, I guess their role is to lobby for policy changes for the better for women, right? For And they... 50 year history. I think they've done a lot now that I know a lot more about the organization. They've done a lot for women. You know, if you think the change in Ireland over 50 oh, years, God, like yeah. in the seventies, women had to stop working when they got married. They, there, there was, was no, no access. contraception. No contraception was illegal. Let yeah, alone divorce. abortion. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. A man could would've... legally rape his wife. It was awful. Yeah. 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 It wasn't Abuse. called rape. And yeah. so I, I think they've done amazing work for women where women have had so far to come, I guess, to be seen as equal. I mean, really a long way to come. Especially in Ireland. And we have all the horror stories of how badly women were treated in the seventies and, and and before that, you know, with, um, you know, laundries. Well, yeah, the stigma, if you got pregnant, um, uh, you you know you were you were hidden away. The baby was taken off you. Um, people's families would have abandoned women at the doorstep, and we were under you know the, the Catholic Church. Shame was really the the mechanism that was used by the church and the state and society in general to control women. You know, these you know, any woman that, that that stepped out of line uh, really faced a. a a kind of ostracizing out of out of the community you know um and so the women's council had, had done so much I, I knew of them i remember for repeal the eighth they would have been at the forefront of of the repeal the eighth campaign you know which again was really critical in ensuring that women had the right to health care and the, the right to have uh, abortion services in ireland and not have to you know, get the ferry to have so, a basic healthcare around abortion. So just for, for people not, not in Ireland. So in something like 1983, there was a law brought in and um, that got repealed in 2018, 
with repeal the eighth. And it was the Eighth Amendment that got repealed and it allowed mm-hmm. abortion in very strict circumstances in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 2018 is incredibly late to finally allow abortion in Ireland. Like it was, it was probably, you know, one of the yeah. the latest yeah. countries in the Western world. Yeah. And so, and yeah. Up, well, up, up to that point, I think abortion was happening in Ireland, but women were traveling abroad. Over to England. They weren't. Yeah, and they weren't supported in Ireland afterwards or beforehand. I mean, the shame around even mentioning the topic. Um, okay. And, and so and I go think on, the, you started writing. Why did you start writing and what was bothering you about the NWCI? Well, at the start, nothing was bothering me, bothering me because I thought, well, I just, again, very naively, I thought, well, this is, this is very easy. Uh, there are women's groups that are there and they'll see all these points that myself and other women are seeing, these concerns around not just men and women's spaces, I guess, and and, um, all of those topics, but also I started to become aware of the stats around young women, autistic women, you know, uh, thinking they were men and having mastectomies. And I became aware of like Kira Bell, you know, so there was a lot of questions and I felt like, you know, these are women, you know, these are questions the Women's Council can help me get the answers to. Um, and so, am I right in thinking you had issue, you took issue with somebody on their board or something? Well, see, this was towards the end of 2020, kind of once I'd realised about the GRA and how serious this was, this whole topic. You know, um, I said, right, I'm going to start right to the Women's Council. And a few of the women that I'd met had said, well, look, you're not going to get very far there because the policy on their website is a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman. So I had this kind of sinking feeling going, oh, no, like, what does that mean? So basically men or women, okay, right, what do I do? Well, I'm going to write anyway. I'm just going to, because I still, I suppose, had faith, you know, that they're, they're looking out for women at the end of the day and this will be fine. And then someone said to me around the end of 2020, um, Sarah, they're about to elect a man onto their board who says he's a woman. It's that serious. And I, I actually couldn't believe it. I actually, I, I said, but, but why would, why would that need to happen? Surely they have their own organization. Um, Tenny, uh, this when you man say was they, a, you mean trans people have their own organization. Yeah. And, and which is, which is right too. You know, they, they should have their own organization to be able to, to, lobby for things that they need and that impact them you know rightly so so I suppose so why would why would the chair of that organization want to sit on the women's council board you know that women aren't trying to sit on that board you know we're not trying to tell them how to live or direct policy for them why are they trying to I, I just again I just was like I can't believe this is happening and so he was um put on the board around the end of 2020. And literally two weeks later, another defining moment for me, they co-signed a letter, a big, long, rambling letter with like, you know, more or less anyone who questions this is literally murdering, murdering people, kind of, you know, it's really long and rambling. And it, it described women like me, you know, these believers in biology, um, hmm. we call on the media and politicians to, um, you know, revoke their right to political and media representation. And like I still... Believers in biology, wow. Yeah. And three years later, I I actually, 
cannot believe that the Women's Council would seek to disempower women and remove our right to political or media representation simply because we just can't, like speaking personally for myself, I cannot believe what I'm being told I must believe. I cannot believe that a man can become a woman. I just can't. I've tried. Life would be easier, in fact. And and I think, like, I think back to my childhood. I was, I was raised um, as a Catholic, and I remember being very young and being in church and trying so hard to believe what they were saying. But I just didn't have any faith. I had no religious faith in me. And going through the motions, you know, and getting to like communion and confirmation. And my poor granny, she used to bring me to mass every day, and she was such a, a, a wonderful woman and such a devout, a devout Catholic. I didn't want to let her down, but um, eventually I, uh, I, I just don't believe this. I don't, I don't believe there's a God. And, you know, when my granny passed away, I remember being with her before she died and I was saying, you know, granny, are you scared? And she said, no, I'm not scared. God is good. And she genuinely took such comfort in her faith. At that point, I thought, well, this is such a gift in a way, you know, even though I have no faith of my own, I would never um, speak disrespectfully of somebody because they did believe in God. And I see the benefits of, you know, most of most religions teach people to treat each other well, you know, um, and I'm glad that I was exposed to that growing up because I think, you know, you do learn a lot. Um, but again, it, being told you have to believe this man is who he says he is. You have to believe this man is a woman at all costs, or you're a bad person. Um, I think there's an injustice there. I'm not willing to be labeled as a bad person simply because I cannot believe something that's not true. We'd like to jump in here really quick and offer up a thank you to Genspect, one of our sponsors. Genspect is an international organization that offers a healthy approach to sex and gender. Genspect recently hosted the Bigger Picture Conference in Denver, Colorado. There, they introduced the Gender Framework, a comprehensive, non-medical means of dealing with distress about gender issues. Go to genspect.org to learn more. We'd also like to give a shout out to GETA, Gender Exploratory Therapy Association. If you're looking for a therapist for yourself or your child, check out the GETA directory. And if you're a clinician who is questioning the affirmation model and you're looking for resources and community, please consider joining GETA today. Visit genderexploratory.com to learn more. And as well as that, I think women and, and girls have to be conscious of when there's a man in the room or when there isn't. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Like there, there's there's two big parts to this for me, I guess, as I was saying, that the children part is one. But just the whole single sex spaces, I mean, because um, you'll hear this again and again and again. It's like, you know, you know why don't you want men who say they're women in, in your spaces? You know, what are you accusing them of? This, you know, you know, look how horrible you are. Like you're making accusations. And, and I'm actually not making any accusations. I'm saying that men, all men, regardless of what they wear, or how they identify, you know, I'm not comfortable with them. You know, when I go up to the swimming pool with my daughter and I want to go into the change room to get changed, I don't want a man in there. 
I don't feel comfortable. And I have to say any man that goes in there into a woman's space, knowing there are women like me who feel uncomfortable, like, like that, like there's, there's questions to be asked there. Why, why is that man's rights and his feelings supersede mine? And, and that's what, like when, later when we get onto the, the hearing in the WRC, you know, the, the Flack barrister, Flack represented the National Women's Council. She was like, you know, look how hurtful, look how hurtful you are. Look at your emails, look how hurtful you are. Because I I'd questioned this whole concept. Um, and I still cannot understand how we've gotten to a point where, again, you're, you're labeled and targeted and attacked because you, you genuine, I genuinely would feel uncomfortable sharing a single sex space in, in that intimate setting and undressing with a man there. Yeah. And, you know, like you, like many of us will have had experiences as a kid where, you know, unwanted male yeah. attention, it's, it, it, it does happen. Yeah. I mean, one of my most terrifying memories is of being about 10 and knowing that there was someone standing in the room, a man, and in the back of my head, I thought, uh, it's okay. Your family are here. Um, it's okay. And I, I don't want to go into it, but um, women have, you know, to navigate the world as a woman, I doubt there's any woman of, of my age who hasn't <laughs> had their boundaries yeah. crossed. And I don't understand how our government just gave them away in, in 2015, just said, well, that's it. You don't have, you don't have the right to these boundaries now. And you're a bad person if you question it. And then the, the most mystifying thing behind that is that the women's council are at the forefront of, of this narrative that. Extraordinary. It, yeah, you know, um, it, so then it's you went to Am I right in thinking you went to a gender-based yeah, violence talk or something by a politician? Yeah, so over the course of 2021, I emailed the Women's Council and lots of other politicians and a bit like, you know, when and we And that's when I was getting to know you and you were getting a lot yeah. of results from these emails. You were yeah. really getting people responding saying, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, tell me yeah. more. And you'd get on the phone and say, well, here you go. Yeah, I was ringing up as well at the odd time, you know, on my lunch break. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, because I like, look, we'd seen the HSC acknowledge that actually women deserve to have the word woman in the cervical screening literature. And, yeah, and, we, and like, so there was lots of us, you know, who will we email this week and I think instead of just sending the same email over and over again, depending on what was coming up in the news, again, looking mostly internationally. So I remember when the Kira Bell verdict came out, for example, you know, taking that newspaper article, sending it into the Women's Council. I remember when there was an article about women's sport um, and statistics around, uh, you know, men's Laura bodies Hubbard. being different. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, were you in the National Women's Council? Were you a member or whatever it is? Well, at the start, when they weren't answering me, I joined up, I signed up and I thought, right, well, if I give them some money, maybe they will. But uh, it didn't work. So but then they I, were sending you emails, weren't they? So, well, yeah, because I'd registered and paid up, I got on a mailing list. So 
they were sending and they, they still send several yep. emails a week. Yes. So like one time I did actually respond. You can see in the adjudication, actually, they've cut and pasted in an email to try and really make me look badly. Um, and it's it's one where I say, you know, you put a man on your board just because he says he's a woman. Women are not a costume to be worn. And that mail I sent in response to an email campaign that the, they emailed and they said, um, you know, dear Sarah, we're trying to increase the quota of women on boards in Ireland. Um, won't you join us in the campaign? And I, I just was like incredulous, like, hang on a minute. You know, so I wrote back to that one and it said, you know, you, you literally gave away a woman's place on a board, um, you know, and women. Uh, and again, this was maybe a year into sending them maybe one email a month with various newspaper articles or whatever, um, where I said, you know, women are not a costume to be worn. And, and yeah. that's the kind of email that were then held up in the hearing as, And in fairness, again, your, your letters were great because at that meeting with, with was it Alan Farrell? You read oh, yeah, out, yeah. yeah, tell us, you read out the letter <laughs> and you got a round of applause. Yeah. So like, I suppose 2021 was still lockdown territory and it was, you know, let's email who email and like TDs. Some TDs were great, actually. And there's a lot of undercover TDs, I would say, who who Very don't speak about it, but yeah. they're they're behind us, but they're waiting for somebody else to to speak up first, I guess. But um, I can see how it could ruin people's political careers. So I, I guess you know I have a certain amount of sympathy for people. Um, but yeah, I, uh, 2022. So if we come on to April 2022, Alan Farrell, he's a Fine Gael TD, was having a gender-based violence event in um, some hotel in North Dublin. And Minister McEntee was going to be there and Jennifer, um, oh, I can't remember the other Fine Gael TD's uh, name. Doesn't matter, yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, I think she's done the area or South Dublin somewhere. Yeah, and the Women's Council were on the panel as well. So um, so I said, you know what, I'm actually going to go into this Je- gender-based violence. Jennifer Carol McNeil. Yes, that's her. Keep yeah. going, yeah. Um, and so I said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try and, you know, turn up to as much as I can, you know, in work permitting, but evenings and whatever, weekends. And, and actually just, okay, I'm here. I'm just going to ask the same questions and talk about this and, and see what people's stance are. So um, the Women's Council representative was on Zoom. She, I think she couldn't make the meeting. And so there was lots of other women that I knew on Zoom and a couple came in with me as well. And um, Alan Farrell gave a really good presentation on gender-based violence. It was actually, it was excellent um, and about the need to tackle it. And he had lots of data, statistics around, uh, you know, what's happening and what do, we, what do we need to do to tackle this? And then there was like Q&A session. So in the Q&A session, I put up my hand and um, I said, my name is Sarah Holmes. I gave a little bit of background. And I said, I have two questions for the panel. Number one is what is gender? Because it used to mean sex. Everyone always took it to mean sex. It was just a polite way of saying sex because it can get interpreted as the act of sex. You know, we know we know yeah. where the word gender has come from. But now it doesn't mean that anymore. It can mean anything of a hundred genders. Um, so what's your definition of gender-based violence in that context? But also what's your definition of violence? Is it when you get a physical uh, 
blow? Or does it start with kind of coercive control um, and gaslighting and manipulation? And um, I said, because in my view, it, it does start with that. And I said, the Women's Council is here today and I want to read out a piece of a letter that they signed where they called for women like me who believe that, uh, you know, sex is real, gender is not, uh, should have our rights to political and media representation removed. So I, I read part of the letter and I got a round of applause from a room which was filled with, I would say, you know, women from domestic violence shelters, oh, nice. that had, yeah, yeah, charities and Women who knew what it was to be a woman. Yeah, and retired, yeah, exactly, yeah. and retired politicians and, Nora Owen was one of them. You know, she Great. came up to me after and she said, yeah, she said, I agree with you 100%. And, and lots of women did, but they were all scared. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were really scared. Um, but at that point, but like we left there exhilarated. There was myself and another couple of women. It's like, this is great. We just need to turn up and speak and they'll see that we're not monsters. We've got concerns. So Let's then you came to the grand event. <laughs> he said, right, yeah. all we need to do is come up and speak. And the National yeah. Women's Council, their AGM was on. Yeah, the, so they emailed me again <laughs> and they said, uh, dear Sarah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're having a, um, we're having a, on our AGM, we're having an open to the public. Uh, and at this stage, I knew you well now, I think of it. I knew you very well by now. Yeah, but keep going yeah. anyway. So you'd really got involved with this all. I got I got involved, yeah. Well, I just felt I kind of felt like, look, it it works when you turn up and yeah. they just see these are just normal Irish mammies who are asking valid questions. Right? So go just, on, yeah. So I registered for the event, and again, I'm in a network now of lots of women, a bit like yourself. And I said to some of them, "Look, I'm going to go in here, um, and I'm going to ask about the word woman being removed from the maternity bill, Maternity uh, yeah. Act." Because it was a, at the time there was a piece of legislation and the word woman was going to be stripped out. And the, the Women's Council hadn't come out publicly against that. And lots of people were calling for them to, again, throw their weight behind it and say, look, leave the word woman alone. And um, mother. Yes. And the word mother. mother. Yeah, and mother. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah. June 22 was by now. Go on. Yes. So I registered and got my ticket and a few, couple of others said they were going to go as well. Um, and then I know, I, I know lots of women. I know women in different organizations. You know, there's a few grassroots organizations that are, I suppose, a few years down the road now and, and well-established. Um, like so Women's Space Ireland um, and the Countess. There's, 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 a, there's, there's several. Them, there's women's lobby and stuff. Yeah. There's a yeah. yeah. And lots, lots of us talk to each other. Yeah, like uh, I'm a bit of a, a lone wolf in that, um, you know, I haven't got the time to commit to being, I suppose, involved and contributing in a consistent manner. So I kind of do my own thing, but I, I like to go and support them when they run events and I like to yeah. um, keep up in touch, I guess, um, on what we're doing and how we're trying to raise awareness. And So, so tell us about um, the event. Go on. Yeah, so look, I, I knew... I may as well, like, I'll, I'll tell you chronologically. Um, I knew there was other women going. I had a ticket for myself and one other woman. And I knew that because there had been such silence around the word uh, woman being removed, that uh, one of the other groups had planned to do 
like a silent protest uh, on the street. You know, like they, they would have done silent, peaceful protests at, you know, at the doll before. I had absolutely no concerns about it at all. They, you know, I, I even knew the signs, Women's Council doesn't speak for me. Very real pacifist. Um, I knew all the women. My mother was one of them, actually, one of the women going. Um, so it, it didn't enter my head that that was a problem because I had a ticket and I was going in to kind of do what I did. Again, I, I, I might as well stress, like, very nervous and scared because um, it, it's very intimidating to to raise these questions. So I wasn't even sure if there'd be a Q&A session. Like, yeah. potentially and I was just going to... what happened when you went in? Well, I didn't get in. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was so naive, Stella, looking back. Um, so... Uh, I, I got to the hotel. There was a few other women who had tickets um, and two of us went downstairs. One had already gone down ahead and I was kind of nervous. I was like, okay, it's kind of scary because it was a women's council event and I'd registered in my own name. And I, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, they'll remember me from a few weeks ago when I asked that question and I got the round of applause and I read out the letter. So it was off the back of that, that I was kind of nervous and a bit scared. Um, so I went downstairs and there was like a registration desk and I gave the girl my name and she gave me like a little name tag sticker and I put it on. And then an older woman, a senior person, uh, subsequently found out that more senior person came, I would say, darting over and said, um, you're Sarah Holmes. I know exactly who you are. I have all your emails in a very menacing way. Like, I have all your emails. I know exactly who you, like, really, like, I got a fright. Derogatory. I was, yeah, I was kind of stunned. Um, and she she said, you are a hateful bigot. You are part, you are, you're part of a transphobic hate group. Um, you're Whoa. here to, she, she had this whole spiel, you're here to harm my members and this is a safe place and you're not welcome. Please leave. Wow. Um, I mean, it, it would kind of happened in slow motion then. I was like, like, what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? Um, now, subsequently, later, I found out that they were worried because one of the groups that was standing peacefully across the road had notified the press that they were going to be peacefully across the road or, you know, whatever. So this is the Countess, were. but you were never in the Countess. No, I knew them, obviously, and they're, yeah, they did magnificent work. Yeah, but, like, so, but, but in that moment when I was down there, there was no part of me going, oh, like, I just, because she was directing it at me. She was like, you, yeah. you and your emails. And yeah. um, and so, so I, was like, I was like, why is this happening? So I said, I just, honestly, I said, I just, I just want to attend the event. I am not here to do anything. And you're a small um, woman. You don't look menacing. Yeah. You know, if yeah, she was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was a lot taller than me. I'm, yeah, I'm five foot two. Um, so yeah, like I, I was completely in shock and, um, she called a manager and he was a lovely man actually. Um, how'd you know he and, was a man? <laughs> I know he's a man because we had a conversation, I guess. Um, so he he came along and he said, look, you have to leave. And I said, look, I, I haven't done anything wrong. Because 
there was an injustice yeah. happening, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I've never been totally. turned away from anything in my life. It was mm-hmm. kind of embarrassing, but also you, like, you come across as polished, respectable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're no firebrand from what I know of you. Well, I, I, I'm the type of person if if I get stopped at a breathalyzer, like I start getting worried, I'm going to get in trouble, even though I haven't had a drink in a year <laughs> or you know, since last Christmas, and I had a, a Bailey's. So. So like, you know, I'm, I, I'm fairly law abiding, I would say, and uh, would have probably a little bit of a fear of authority. And so, um, so I behaved myself and I stepped aside, but I was upset. I was upset. I was humiliated because she was, she was stopping other women as they were going in and kind of putting her hands up and saying, do you declare that you are not part of a transphobic group wow. that were here? Yeah, there was all like... And there was a few of us there who saw all this. And actually, have you been subs- saved? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> honestly, and like, actually. And tell us about the manager coming over. Yeah. So he was lovely. And he said, look, I can't let you in because they're paying me. And I said, but look, it's, it, this isn't fair. I said, I've taken the day off work to come in here. And I said, I'm just going in to listen. I might ask a question. Or I might not. Um, and he said, doesn't matter. He said, um, you know, they, they're paying me. And so I have to, I have to tell you to leave. And I said, look, I want you to understand the reason they won't let me in. She said, it's because of my emails. I don't believe that humans can change sex. And he started laughing and I was like, this isn't funny, you know? And he said, but you know, he said, you know, take that up with them. And I said, no, but I, I said, I just want you to know that that's, I'm going, I'm leaving, but like, that's what's happening here. And so if you said you were a woman now, they would go, yes, this is now a woman and we must believe that that's a woman. And I, and I would say, no, he's still a man. Literally your words, I am now a woman. Um, because I, again, it was kind of the injustice. I'm like, I need to explain this to this man because I don't want him to think bad of me. He was yeah. thinking I was some kind of gangster. So he's laughing. <laughs> and he said, no, come on, we go and get a coffee. So we did. We all went upstairs. He bought us coffee. We sat there for, I don't know, maybe an hour looking at each other going, what was that? Um, and um, after about an hour, uh, the others were over getting their photograph taken, standing with their signs. And I said, I went over and I said, give me a sign. I'm going to hold it up because they certainly don't speak for me. I wasn't even allowed into the room. And like the, the funny thing is, like when we were downstairs, like one of the women had a three month old baby with her. You know, like these are the gangsters, like the three month old baby. She was saying, you know, where can I breastfeed the baby? And and uh, the senior woman was like, you know, you're not welcome, you know, get the baby upstairs or whatever. Um, And it's funny, you know, it's funny. Like, and I didn't bring this into the hearing because I didn't have permission, but somebody recorded it. There is an audio. Whoa. And of them calling you a bigot and a transfer. Oh, there's an audio. There's an audio that um of what 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 went down Yikes. and i've heard it subsequently and it's interesting because you go well well maybe that's just my recollection and that didn't really happen as i as i remember it but you can hear you can clearly hear you know you're not welcome here sarah Jesus. you know you yeah. yeah and and it's not my audio and there's lots of other people on it you can hear and other d- people speaking d- so d- uh, so i w- did yeah. you leave that event? Did you, did you leave thinking, I'm, I'm going to take a case here? Or what happened? Well, actually, 
in, in the audio, you can hear the manager saying, you can go to the media. Why don't you go to the media? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when we were upstairs after about an hour, we'd had a few rounds of coffee at this stage. It's a lot of caffeine circulating the system. Uh, somebody said, let's ring live line. And that was the end of that. The, the live line show went on then for, I guess, three days. And so for um, people who don't know, live line is very well known Irish radio station where all callers from all everywhere in the country would ring up generally about complaints. And Joe mm. Duffy is the, the, the man of the people who, yeah. whose whole point it's is ju- it's the audience speaks. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they put it like they put, I wasn't on. Now, Sandra was on the first day. Um, you can listen back. Maybe you should put the links to the live line shows yeah. actually. Set on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the bit, I guess, I guess it was humiliating and hurtful and like upsetting on the day. But what was most upsetting, I think, was later on that day, the Women's Council issued a statement. And in that statement, even though we'd all just sat up and had coffee and behaved ourselves and when we were humiliated, respectfully gone up the stairs and, and you know, left, um, the, uh, the statement said that, you know, it, 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 I don't know it off by heart now, but it basically insinuated that we had tried to hijack their event, which, which did not happen. So I, that was, then I was like, this is just the injustice here. This is just wrong. Like, yeah. this is a lie. This is not, this is not fair. We hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as we are. We just wanted to take a quick moment and say thank you to all of our listeners. Your support is the fuel that keeps this train running. So please be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platforms. And do be sure to check out the conversations that are happening on YouTube in the comments section. We think that we have some of the smartest, most engaged viewers out there, and we really appreciate all of the interactions. Also, we produce additional bonus content every week for our listener community on Patreon. Go to widerlenspod.com and click on join our listener community. Your financial support means a lot to us. And for those of you who are in need of parenting support and resources, we each have parent coaching membership groups. So please do check those out. You can find links to both of them at widerlenspod.com or in the show notes. And of course, you can buy our book, When Kids Say They're Trans, out now in the UK and coming out very soon in the US. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. Um, but also what I did the next day after that was I emailed them and I said, you know, off the back of her really menacing kind of, I have all your emails, Sarah Holmes. I know exactly who you are. Um, I said, can you please delete all my emails under the GDPR right to be forgotten? It's legislation where in Europe, um, I don't know if it's the same in the US, you have got the right to be forgotten. So you can ask an organization to delete any data they hold on you. And so they wrote back to me and they said, we can confirm we have deleted all your emails. We hold no data on you. We've deleted everything. No data is held on any system. Something along those lines. They wrote and back and right, And later on, that was proved to be a lie. What happened later? That was a lie, yeah. yeah go on, that was a me. lie. Tell us. Well, within the, in the hearing, maybe it we should about a year later. Yeah, we should move it on, though. We're, yeah, um, yeah. Like we can, we can cover it chronologically. But yeah, to skip to that bit... Um, you're supposed to give in advance of a hear of the hearing submissions and evidence. You're supposed to there's like a 15 day guideline. 
the, yeah. the, the court says, you know, 15 working days before the hearing, you have to have everything in to give the other side a chance to have their counter argument, I guess. And so I had been like the re- a really good student. Again, the law abiding citizen, I um, <laughs> meticulously followed the process and the guidelines, like meticulously, um, but they didn't. And oh. they never, yeah, they never submitted anything in advance. And then on the morning of the hearing, they produced three or four hard-backed ring binders with all my emails. And lots they of lied when they said they we have deleted everything. Yes, they haven't deleted yeah. anything. Not and one how thing. could they arrive up at court with something Don't that know. they had promised that they had deleted? Don't know. With flack as well. Flack okay. to the free so legal te- aid. So give us the chronological. You decided to take the court case. Go on. So you, you had that awful yeah. experience. Liveline came so, and went. And just, if I remember, uh, uh, RTE, yeah. who's the national broadcaster, got into trouble and have never mentioned the word woman, trans or anything since, except in a massively favourable mm. way. And yeah. have become completely cowed Censored, to gender ideology yeah. since that day. Since those three days in Liveline, and we will put up the links because they're well worth listening to. Very thoughtful yeah. discussion, free debate happened about gender. People on all yeah. sides, people disagreed yeah. respectfully. It was actually beautiful. But yeah. um, RTE got the got the hammer in the head as a result yeah. and have never yeah. dared speak again. I think they will be speaking very soon, maybe by the time this I know. is out. Yeah. I know. And would you believe I still paid my TV license this year? <laughs> You're a law-abiding girl. <laughs> I am. Keep I going. So TV tell us about, tell us about the, the court case. Because so, we're coming towards the end now. Yes. So I put in, there's a, there's a process and I stuck to it religiously. Um, there's a complaint form you put in. You send it to the organization first. If they don't respond within 30 days, you send it in to the WRC. I sent it to them first. They didn't respond. So then I put it into the WRC. So around Which is the Workplace Relations Commission. Yeah. So just a little bit on them. They're the body that oversee the Equal Status Act in Ireland. So uh, it's it's our um, laws that kind of enforce, um, you know, that people have the right to be treated equally regardless of the different grounds. Yeah, Yeah, non-discrimination. So like, you know, uh, religious grounds, uh, you know, gender, um, member of the traveling community. There's there's about nine grounds. So, yeah, around, let's say, the 1st of October or so, the WRC wrote back to me and to them was a notification saying there's going to be a case. So at that point, they this date is critical, actually. At that point, they would have been told there's going to be a case and they would have known that the case was proceeding. So they kind of ignored my complaint, but that one you kind of can't ignore. Um, so that was October. So November, December, January, February, my dad was really sick. I was very busy. I kind of had it in the back of my head. What's going to happen? Um and still there was nothing, you know, nothing came back. And I rang the WRC a few times. I said, have you heard from them? No, I haven't heard from them. And uh, I'm going to try and not get upset now. But um, on the 11th of March, my dad died, which was a Saturday. And on the Monday at, uh, I don't know what time it was actually, the day, the email came through from the WRC saying the hearing will be in one month. So they give you like a month's notice on the hearing. Um, and so I was like, oh, Christ, OK, I'm trying to arrange the funeral here with my mom and my brother and 
focus and put it out of your head, right? Don't think about it. They still haven't responded. You don't know what's going to happen next, but just get through the next week and then think about it next week. And so on Tuesday, um, and like I still check my emails because, you know, um, like I, I disappeared from work. I, you know, so I'm still scanning my mails, you know, here and there in the gaps, like not, you know, staying in my mom's house with my mom and my brother and sitting up all night checking mails. And on Tuesday, kind of close a business Tuesday, an email came in from Flack. And actually, I've missed something really important. I'm going to have to reverse. In September, before the WRC said they're taking a case, I, I went to Flack free legal aid. Not that I needed free legal aid, but the, they kind of, the, they are very involved in cases for equal rights oh, and yeah. uh, discrimination cases for, you know, you see, you what see is them. Free legal, what is FLAC? Free legal advice? Free legal aid. I actually yeah, don't know what the C like that, yeah. stands for. Like, And it wasn't with a view to getting free legal aid. It was to get some advice and would they, yeah. you know, take me on? I thought maybe you can pay them as well, right? Um, anyway, they set up a consultation and we, I told them everything. And then they said at the end, oh, we don't get involved in cases like this. Right. So okay. I said, okay, fine. So I moved on. Anyway, the day after the hearing date, so the 14th of March, a letter came in from Flack, And that was the first I'd heard from the Women's Council. Flack were representing them. So the first wow. thing I thought was, well, here's Flack now. <laughs> That's great. So they refused you and they didn't say yeah. we're taken. Yeah, they, and they didn't give me any advice even. <laughs> and you know what's hard? Like in the run up to this, I'd approached a few solicitors and they're absolutely terrified of the topic. Yeah, you know, um, I know. It's, like I just thought, oh yeah, you'll just go to a solicitor and someone will say, yeah, because money is money and you're just paying them for advice. Very, very hard. So I, I had somebody lined up and at the last minute they they wouldn't do it. Um, and, I, you know, people are on trial for murder. I believe they can secure someone to represent them, but I, I couldn't get anybody. Wow. Um, so the flack email came in and it was a letter and they basically said, um, we did a risk assessment prior to the event and you were, you were highlighted as a risk because of your emails. And um, then it said, that uh, there was a press release from the Countess and because of that press release, the risk escalated and you you were a risk and we didn't let you in and you were hostile, which is again a lie. Now they uh, subsequently took that back when they did their f actual formal submission to the WRC months later, they removed that accusation. Right. So this letter they sent to me directly, that's important as well, they didn't go through the WRC. They didn't copy them on it. They just sent it to me. And they said, look at this risk assessment that we have attached and you were a risk. And, you know, we'd, we'd like you to drop this complaint. Um, it was very, I would say it was very, I felt quite intimidated wow. because I expected anything from them to go through the WRC, but they were coming direct, knowing that the, the hearing was, you know, three and a half weeks away. Yeah. Um, why why not go through the process again? They they so they not only they ignored the complaint, but now they were coming this route. Anyway, I opened this risk assessment, 
I said, my God, what is this? So this is like you were on a risk assessment because of your emails. Totally. This is like, what, what's coming? Probably. So of yeah. course, yeah. So it's this one page document. Now they made the mistake of sending a Word document instead of a PDF. Um, because immediately when I saw it, it was one page. I thought, this is, this is fake. This is not a real, this is not real. Um, and I went to the properties file because I know my way around a Word document and it was created in October. It was created on the 6th of October. So probably three or four days after they got notification that there was going to be a case by, uh, from the WRC. They created so, a risk document about this, you retrospectively yeah. from last June, from four months yeah, previously. It was created four months after the event. Wow. And, the, and the letter said, we created this in advance <gasps> and you were flagged, you were highlighted as a risk. And was that not case closed when they, when that, when you produced that and said, this is, <laughs> none, this isn't, this is provably, so provably. Yeah. Right. It's so funny, isn't it? I mean, so first of all, the reason I looked at the date and went and did that little bit of scanning was it had this term in there. What if an anti-NWCI person comes to the event? And and I read it and I don't know, you know the way they, they call us witches, you know, yeah. maybe I am a witch. I just saw that term and I instinctively knew that's not a real term. No one's using an anti-NWCI <laughs> mouthful. I just knew it was a lie. And it, it turned out it was a lie. They had altered the document. There was an original and an older one. But the, but the, the reason it had a new date oh, in October. They needed something yeah. new in there. They needed yeah, to that took Yeah, but it took me a while to, to get a hold of the actual original. And they, did, they pulled bit, another but, fast one on you, didn't they, in the, in the court case, insofar as they... They, they elongated the court case and then you weren't allowed to tell anybody about it or you weren't allowed. Oh, to, yeah. 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 I, um, I'll get to. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to that bit. In a, uh, Take in a second. Go I, on, I might tell, tell you Although it is that. running on. So yeah. we want to. Yeah. Oh, we'll speed it up. Yeah. So before the, before the hearing <laughs> started, I, I got the document and I, I sent it to an expert and I said, can you do a report on this and I'll send it in and I'll give them a heads up again goody two shoes. I'm not going to spring it on them on the day. I'm going to give them a report in advance and say, look, this is, this is not, this was created in October. So I sent the report in. Um, so when I went in there on the day and they produced the emails, so again, they never, they never put any submissions in. They just produced the emails. Um, they, uh, said to the adjudicator about the report, they said, uh, the person who produced that report isn't here. So that's hearsay and that's not admissible in evidence. And the adjudicator said, yes, that's fine. Wow. So, but I said to the adjudicator, but this document was created four months after the event. And she said, no, that's fine. That's what they've said. And that's, and so there was a, there was an imbalance in power from the word go. I was very naive, Stella. I should have had a solicitor. Um, I should have, I should have, do you know what I should have done? I should have, at the point where they produced the, the emails that they'd illegally retained, I should have allowed the case to be adjourned, but I didn't. She offered it to me, to be fair. The adjudicator said, you want to adjourn? But I was so anxious to get it over with that I just said, no, let's just go. Let's just keep going. Yeah. You know, because it's like, I can't well. bear. It was a very but, long, what, year? Yeah. year. Well, I just, I just wanted it over. I just wanted to stick it out. But you're right. What happened then was the adjudicator said, right, we had until noon. I was being cross-examined by Flack. 
she was bringing up my emails going, you know, it was like something from a pantomime. Of course, I'd never been through anything like this before. Very naively, I thought we were all just going to sit around and have a civilized conversation. The flak barrister was doing kind of I, hair tossing. I, I, I've got that tigger complex too. I just keep on thinking, well, if, if I just say it, they'll understand. Yeah. yeah. If I just if I just tell the truth, you yeah. know. But she so she was like, Well, Miss Holmes. And, <laughs> and at one point I just said to the Yes, Watson. <laughs> I, I was kind of like, why is she being so mean? And ah. the adjudicator was like, Yeah. She was like, um, well, she uh, she's cross-examining you. It's like, I know, but she doesn't have to be so rude. <laughs> you know, cause she was, but she kept it going and she was like, you know, look what you said here. You know, a woman is not a costume to be worn. Do you not um, support self-ID? And I said, no, I don't support self-ID. I said, you know, all the stuff I discussed earlier, I won't go into it, but all that stuff I said it to her. I said, I, I don't believe it. I, I want my own spaces. I don't want my daughters to share all of this. But she kept, the adjudicator kept saying, are you nearly finished? Are you nearly finished? Because it was going to run over. And she said, right, I'll give it another hour. But the flak barrister kept questioning me. Wow. She just kept it going and kept it going. Eventually the adjudicator says, I have to call it a day. And immediately flak woman said, now, Miss Holmes, you are barred from getting any legal advice. You're not allowed to discuss this case with anyone. You are under oath. And the adjudicator looked at her and went, oh yeah, Actually, yeah, that's true. And I was like, what? And my husband, my son is a, is a, a keen golfer and was playing in some event up the north. And my husband was with him. I said, I cannot tell my husband tonight. Can I talk to my husband? They were like, no, you can't talk to anyone. And they followed up with a letter saying, you are not allowed to talk to anyone and get any legal advice. So I was left in this limbo for weeks and weeks. And then the next hearing was scheduled and flack submitted, uh, cutting a long story short, a massive big submission. So they'd had the benefit of cross-examining me and the 15 working day guideline from prior to the hearing, not only did they just ignore that, they cross-examined me. And then weeks later, they sent a big, like 20 page or so submission um, with, you know, here's all the stuff, right? Uh, That file is nonsense. Uh, her claim about the file is nonsense. Um, again, they'd removed the word hostile because I'd kind of managed to show them that that was, you know, that was false, right? You can't just say stuff like that. You've no, you know, evidence. Um, and the other thing they'd said in the letter, they were like, you were there for an hour and wouldn't leave, which it was 10 minutes. And I, and in the, in the later thing, they actually had to retract that as well. It was kind of used to kind of scare me, I think, to outside the process, let's get, let's get her to stop. Um, so then there was a second hearing and I got to cross-examine their witnesses. I had two witnesses. I got to cross-examine their witness. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was this risk assessment. Again, I had no answer. I had been asking for months where, like, why was this created in October? And by that time, I suppose it honed their story. And they said, actually, we will rely on your man's report. And the adjudicator said, okay, great. It's coming into evidence then. So again, the power, when they didn't want it as evidence, it wasn't yeah. evidence. When they decided it was evidence, it was evidence. And it was my document. It was, it was it was unreal to watch it. And they said, well, the reason it says the 6th of October is um, because we created a copy on that date, an identical copy in order to um, prepare for the WRC. So they, they admitted that there was a new document that they had created prompted by the WRC. 
And so then I cross-examined them and I, you know, this anti-NWCAI term, what does it mean? The two witnesses spent a lot of time trying to define it. It's someone who's against our policy. It's someone who's hostile. It's someone who's this. And I kept asking, but what does it mean? Like, I said, surely you're bored. What we are, aren't you allowed to kind of, com- you know, ask questions of the organization? Like, yeah. yeah. They, they, and they kept defending this term, but they couldn't explain it. Because I said, but surely the first witness said, oh, well, it's somebody who doesn't agree with our policies. And I said, but surely your policies evolve because people might not agree. And then and she said, okay, yeah, yeah. It's someone who's hostile. And I was like, so so if they're hostile, don't let them in. Why are they? And then she was like, mm. anyway, I said, look, who created the risk assessment? I did. Who contributed? I can't remember. Who reviewed it? I can't remember. They said it was a generic risk assessment. This is really important that they had been making, for, preparing for months. They said it was reviewed at the Monday management calls um, that, you know, that the NWCI had been treated badly in March last year because it only had opposition politicians speaking at International Women's Day in March. And they decided to do this generic codified risk assessment off the back of that. So they kept defending this term and they, they said, you know, it's a generic risk assessment. It was just... The de- creation date is the 6th of October because that's just the copy date. And I just wasn't settling for it. And eventually um, she whipped out her phone and said, look, and put up a screenshot. See, there, there's creation date, 6th or 3rd of June. See, there, now. Uh, and the adjudicator was like, oh, that's great. And I said, no, hang on a minute. The adjudicator for us sounds like a bit of a fool. Yeah, and again, naively, at the very, f- the opening statement of the adjudicator actually was, Myself and, I can't remember her name, the flak barrister. Oh, we worked together in this, wherever it was before. We're just, I'm just going to say that now. She's like, and I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Again, I, I, looking back, I think I should have said, but I actually am not comfortable with that. What, what um, was so the she, verdict or what did you think in the end or what happened? Well, it, towards the end of that hearing, I, I just, I think it's really important that I refused to accept this photograph that was being flashed up. And I said to the adjudicator, you know, you, I need to get the original of that document. This is not acceptable that you are ignoring this, you know. And Flack said to her, oh, well, we're worried where the original might go. And, and myself and the, bar- and the adjudicator said, but sure, if it's the same as the other one and they're identical, what, do you, what does that mean? Hmm. But that, that was... Flack knew it was different. And eventually a week after that hearing, because she eventually said, look, you you do have to hand over that original. A week later, it came in and it didn't say anti-NWCI at all. The the three places where they had changed it to anti-NWCI in October, anti-trans, the original document, which was created the day after I registered within five days of their event, not months beforehand, it was created on the 3rd of June, the day after I'd registered. That's so, so interesting. They, so let's just pause for a sec. So their big gotcha was if you were anti-trans yeah. rather than anti-National Women's Council. And yeah, they, and the, they the, needed the, to change being anti-trans because they realised that's not what the National Women's Council should be interested in. They should be interested in women's it, issues. Yeah, so and I think, I think their terminology reflected that they hold anyone questioning this whole ideology in complete contempt, right? It shows a bias. The fact that they would see someone who's emailed with concerns yeah. about women's rights and safeties and sport and that they would label them anti-trans. They were trying to, I believe, they were trying to cover that up or, what, or else why did they change it, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so I really felt like, well, this is a big deal. They have lied under oath. They have, you know, falsified a document for the purposes of the WRC. They also made out it was generic and it had been in the planning for weeks. It was created the day after I registered within a few days of the event. Um, And so when I put my final submissions in, um, and again, she gave me the permission to do final submissions because she acknowledged that they hadn't played by the guidelines, that they had come in last minute with this submission when they hadn't permission to. So she said, oh, I'll give you eight weeks. So she said, you can do one final submission. And I I really believed that... um, I really believe that she would acknowledge yeah. all of what she'd seen transpire in front of her. And she just ignored it all. And the ultimate decision was, um, there's a clause in the Equal Status Act, which says the service provider uh, can refuse someone, and it's not discrimination, if there is a substantial risk of criminal and disorderly behavior. And I had researched that. Because she had said to me in the hearing, you know, you need to, when you're doing your final submission, reference this point. And I'd researched that. And there was loads of cases, loads of case law that I, and I used some of it in my submission, to show that there's a bar. You, you can't just say, you know, a law-abiding citizen, because of their potential to ask a question, is a substantial risk of criminal and disorderly behaviour. It actually means um, something to say substantial risk of criminal yeah. and disorderly behaviour means tick, tick, tick. You have to yeah. be doing certain things to get into that category. Exactly. And you weren't doing and any it, of that. No. And in, and in case law, and as well, it's a contradiction, like for, for them to have said, well, there was this level of risk. They never called the guards. We were up having coffee. Yeah. It wasn't Eddie that. Liked yeah, he loved us. Yeah, so so you can't. The two can't. We should really have done true. this in Eddie's hotel, shouldn't we? We should go back. Let's I go, do back. Want to go back. We'll go yeah, back and we say, Eddie, what is a woman? Yeah, we're back. here. We are. But so so this is the thing. Like the two can't simultaneously be true. You can't. And actually, if you look at the adjudicator's decision, it's public. The, their own witnesses said that the complainant, um, they have nothing to believe I'm a risk or that I wasn't a risk. And you could say that about any woman that was allowed in on the day. You have nothing to say. Anyone is a, like, that's literally guilty till proven innocent. Yeah. But the disappointing thing about the verdict is previous case laws, previous judgments in the WRC will respect that there has to be a threshold. But in her decision, she pulled in a case law where somebody hadn't been allowed in because there had been a local feud, right? And there had been physical fights and disruption of property and this had been going on and stuff was getting smashed and people up. people weren't allowed into a pub or a hotel or something. Yeah, someone wasn't allowed into a pub and, and because the barman thought that that person might have been involved in this local feud where there was violence and destruction. An ongoing and she's, would, would Yeah, and she, she called that in. Wow, that's in completely her, she irrelevant. Said, she said, it's just like this. She said, it's just like this. So basically, women having concerns right? It's just like smashing things up and, and destroying property and uh, in violence. And, like, uh, and for bringing me, a, a, an ongoing feud between families yeah. into a pub. Yeah. And, she's, and the other thing she said in the judgment is, because my views were aligned with the Countess and the Countess had done a press release, and in their press release, they had said about... Um, they were they were uh, complaining about the re-election of this person of a to the board. Woman. Yeah, yeah, to the board, 
And their focus was on the National Women's Council, actually. Because they but, wanted the women to be representing women. Yeah. Yeah. Simple and they said because of that press release, because they, they said we're staging an action, the action was them standing peacefully across the street, as everyone could see. The word action is a word the Women's Council use all the time. And in my submission, I'd put in it's disingenuous for them to simultaneously use the word action, but yet apply a different meaning if another women's rights group do it. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, it's it's so disappointing to see that women's concerns are branded as violence. With women with boundaries, women saying no, women going, well, I have a problem with Concerns are wrong. You're, we're, we're being yeah. asked to kind of d- diminish and dismiss our, our, our concerns. Yeah. Basically rethink yeah. them, think something different. Exactly. And, and there's no mechanism, Stella. Mm-hmm. Like the thing is, I emailed them for a couple of years with articles and stuff, you know, once a month, I'd send them a mail, maybe less, actually. Yeah. I counted one time. I've seen your emails. They're very nice. They're informative. Yeah. Yeah. They're chatting away, saying, did you know yeah. this? And they're very well written. They're yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes, depending on how much time I have. Um, but they, you know, so that doesn't work. The Women's Council will not engage with you on that. The Women's Council will not allow you to their event if they think you're going to ask a question. So there's no mechanism for us to have a conversation and they've smeared anyone with concerns. I mean, if you look at what happened, Irish rugby came out recently and said, we have evidence, science behind us to say it is neither safe nor fair for men to participate in women's rugby. Okay. And never mind the dignity aspect, but they focused on the safety and the fairness. Within 24 hours, the National Women's Council had come out against that decision and had said, trans women are women, this is a disgrace. So we have a scenario whereby they have created a hierarchy of rights. It's the patriarchy. The Women's Council have said, one man's feelings, who one man who might want to play rugby in the women's team, is more important to put his feelings at the top. There could be thousands of women who don't want to, for safety, fairness and dignity reasons, have a man on the team with them. But they're campaigning for that one man above thousands of women. And so they literally are now, for me, when I look at the Women's Council, it's so disappointing. They are now the patriarchy. They're the enforcers. Women are being told, shut up, be silent, do what the man says. Don't I, question I, I, the man yeah. or we will vilify you. I'm we will attack you. The, the, valley, the Valley of Squinting Windows. It's a famous book from mm-hmm. 100 years ago in Mullagar. And it's all about these, the women keeping the other women down. And the women yeah. kind of, you know, because one woman had a, a baby without being married and how the women just absolutely ripped into it's a true story, like yeah. well, kind of based on a true facilitated the, yeah. the, the, the patriarchy. Oh. I mean, look at look at the way look at the way the nuns facilitated yeah. the, the priests and the yeah. Catholic Church. It you know like I, I, I actually am I'm 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 flabbergasted. Even three years later, I'm going how is this happening? I know. How, and how are the women's council, uh, whose hashtag is no woman left behind, uh, uh, campaigning for us to lose our right to political media representation, vilifying Campaigning us to leave behind questions. women who yeah, yeah. ask questions. Yeah. yeah, And that we are being told, we're being gaslit. If a man wants it, don't question it. Give it to him. Yeah. Unbelievable, Stella. Shocking. And I have two daughters, and I'm sorry if it's 
if someone's upset. It's like when Slack said to me, you know, look at your emails. Don't you think the board member would be hurt? And I said to her, look, it's not my job to make all men happy. And I'm proud of that statement. I'm not going to live my life oriented around making men happy. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. (laughs) uh, Good for you. No, good for you. The the verdict came in and it didn't go your way. And now you're considering your options. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, I immediately logged a GDPR complaint. Actually, again, back to the witch thing. Last summer... I knew they hadn't deleted those emails. I just knew it. I had heard from a few people, Sarah, they're saying things about you. And I logged a GDPR complaint last Well, I've had contact from people in in the NWCI, all anonymous, saying it's in disarray. There's a lot of discontent. People, this is not a unified uh, council. Yeah. People are but not happy they speak with what's up, going though. down. They're not speaking up because ba- they're frightened feel, and they're frightened of public I feel bad disapproval. For them. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for them. You know, it, it is scary. I mean. <sighs> I don't feel so bad for them. They're well I paid. Like, this is a very responsible that's position. True. And they're getting a million. That's true. So we but better. Look, we, I mean, I knew. So I have that GDPR. I lodged yeah. it. Yeah. Just to fill you in. He said, you need evidence. So then I came back this year and I said, here's the binder. <laughs> I told you. Wow. Um, yeah. And that's interesting. So the, the process there is they write to the Women's Council and say, I want you to try and resolve this with this person. And they wrote back another nice gaslighting email saying, we did delete everything. Everything's been deleted. And I wrote back and I said, uh, just before you double down there, uh, <laughs> love, he has the evidence. I gave it all to him. Yeah. So that's just a formality now. Like you, you, you know, yeah. there, there is a clause in GDPR. Yeah. If you felt what they should have done, if they, if they, if they wanted to retain my stuff was say, no, we're not deleting it. Go to the data protection commission and complain about us, but we're not deleting it. You don't get to pretend you deleted it in writing and then retain it and share it. Actually, it's the highest form It's the highest form it's the highest form of breach in GDPR law. Like the lowest wow. form is we accidentally had a policy problem or the next one up is we accidentally shared. But the most serious breach is Purposeful. we knowingly lied to you. We retained it and we shared it with third parties. And that's what they did. Wow. So yeah. where to now? We better finish this up and we're going to bring you on to yeah. our exclusive content where I think you're a particular oh. little genius about talking about gender in real life to the ordinary person at the oh, school nice. gate or at the, <laughs> at the school or when you're walking down the street or the taxi and gender comes up, how do you talk about gender? Taxi men. We'll, we'll, the taxi men love it. Yeah, they're great crack. <laughs> well, Dublin taxi men are a certain type anyway. Um, so, we'll, so we'll finish off, but is there anything you want to say to anybody who's considering taking a court case or who has watched something like this yeah. unfold? What, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the WRC they really lowered their bar on substantial risk in order to avoid this substantive issue of our beliefs protected in Ireland, because in our Equal Status Act, beliefs are not protected. Only religious beliefs are. And I had actually ticked that box because I had no option. And I had put in my submissions under EU law, actually beliefs are protected and you need to amend the Equal Status Act to include beliefs. I'm an atheist. I don't have religious belief. 
in, if anything, and I put this in my submission, they have adopted a weird religious belief system similar to transubstantiation, you know, that you must have the faith that somebody's something other than what you can see, right? Um, so I guess, look, there's so many issues around the Gender Recognition Act. It has created a conflict in rights. So, you know, if a woman in her employment doesn't want to use pronouns mm. that someone tells her she must use. What are her rights? Does she mm. have the right to say no? Uh, uh, if a woman doesn't yeah. want to share a bathroom with, you know. We like, go into so th that. We we wrote the gender framework. We just released it recently. In chapter four, you know, uh, um, we, we did some great analysis on that of how it's so important to prioritize sex over gender identity mm -hmm. when there's a conflict of rights because safety comes there's first. There's a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think there's cases need to happen in Ireland. I think there needs to be some employment cases. There needs to be, you know, it's scary. Yeah. Um, get a solicitor next time. Like I couldn't get one. I don't know how. I've seen others call for solicitors. I know a few people who've put out the call yeah, in Ireland so and they that. can't get them. You can get loads in the UK, but they can't practice here. We need some solicitors. So I think so we need contact some solicitors. Us. Contact us if you're yeah. a shit hot yeah. solicitor and you're inflamed after this. Yeah. Exactly. Please do. Well, thank you, Sarah. That was really, really, really uh, powerful. Thank you, really, Sarah. And I'm really glad you took that case because I think you highlighted some rotten, rotten core that is at the heart of yeah. some NGOs yeah. in Ireland. It's disappointing. It is. I'm still glad I did it. You know that because I would have always wondered uh, what if. And I and I, I have such a strong sense of justice. There's injustice being done here. And we need to be able to tell the truth and talk about this. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on Gender, A Wider Lens. Listener support means a lot to us. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more information, visit widerlenspod.com. There you'll learn about joining our listener community, how to contribute to our show and where to find us on social media. Our discussions are for educational purposes and are not intended as a substitute for mental health services.